Dr. Watson, the inimitable colleague of Sherlock Holmes, literature's most famous sleuth, was questioning the great detective about his knowledge of various subjects and was amazed to learn how remarkably little he knew about many. Watson was totally surprised when he realized Holmes was completely ignorant of the composition of the solar system. When asked, Holmes said he couldn't care less and said, you should forget about it too. Forget about it, Watson exclaimed. You see, said Detective Holmes, I consider that a person's brain originally is like an empty attic and you have to take stock to see what kind of furniture you would choose to put in it. A fool takes in all the lumber of every sort that he comes across so that the knowledge which might be useful to him gets crowded out or at best is jumbled up with a lot of other things so that he has difficulty in laying his hands upon it. There, I submit, is one of our most insatiable desires to drink from the wisdom well. The author of the book of Ecclesiastes sets up many paradoxes, and such is the case in chapter 7, verse 19, when he expresses the value of wisdom. Wisdom gives strength to the wise more than ten rulers that are in the city. But then, in verse 23, he turns around and states the dilemma of seeking such wisdom when he writes, I will be wise, but it is far from me. That which is, is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? The author knew what few of us know, that the wisdom well is very deep. We are a society hungry for knowledge, and, and why shouldn't we be? The body of knowledge doubles about every day, which is in itself mind-boggling. A sophomore is one whose mind has been alerted to the vast world of knowledge and learning, but has not grasped much of anything yet. Most of you know the word sophomore comes from the two Greek words, sophos meaning wise and moros meaning fool or moron. The wise fool knows enough to understand that she does not know everything. Perhaps, perhaps that is the beginning of wisdom. And most of us are humble enough to admit there is a lot we just don't know. And yet, continues humankind's toward quest to fill up the mind's attic with all sorts of lumber. I used to go to the well of knowledge only to fall prey to the notion that if I drank more and more of the knowledge of life, I would eventually become wise. I wanted to read the latest book on theology, sociology, and biblical studies and so forth. And over time, I have found this thought of Bertrand Russell very helpful. Wisdom is a harmony of knowledge, will, and feeling, and by no means necessarily grows with the growth of wisdom. Our friend Sherlock Holmes would echo this sentiment by saying that increased knowledge does not assure wisdom. They don't correspond directly. Science is organized knowledge, said philosopher Immanuel Kant. Wisdom is organized life. Economy of mind is needed for clear comprehension. It is the single-mindedness 
that the Apostle Paul had. Forgetting all else, I press on toward the goal. And Jesus sent his disciples out and told them to shed their excess baggage to focus on their true mission. Discovering the mystery of Christ is like a detective solving a mystery. Paul points to mystery in our scripture lesson Michael read in Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the commission or the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to humankind in other generations, and it is as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What is this mystery? Well, before we try to answer that, it's helpful to note that it was hidden from past generations. In verse 8, Paul reiterates the mystery by describing it as the unsearchable or boundless riches of Christ. The New Testament Greek word here literally means not to be tracked out in regards to the path of an animal. It means that the mystery of Christ is unexplorable, not in the sense that any part is inaccessible, but that the whole is too vast to be mapped out and measured. The mystery of God is Christ, which at least in part means the divine will to redeem and save people as seen in the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Episcopalian priest, Father Robert Capon, speaks of this divine mystery in his book, Hunting the Divine Fox. His much heralded coming to put all things to right ends badly when the invisible hand that holds the stars finally does its triumphant restoring thing. It does nothing at all but hang there and bleed. That way may help, but it is not the band-aid creation expected on the basis of mechanical analogies. The only way it makes sense is when it is seen as personal. When we are helpless, there God is. He doesn't start your stalled engine for you. He comes and sits with you when you're stranded by the side of the road. You can object that he should have made a world in which cars don't stall, but you can't complain that he doesn't stick by his customers. The tragicness of life is no longer all gloom and doom. For as Paul also affirms in Romans 8:28, we know that in everything God works for good with those who love him. The mystery of Christ was new and amazing in Paul's time. The good news of the gospel is not news that we should be good because our consciences and human experiences tell us that. And Christ is more than an ethical role model because if that's all he is, that's sad news. No, the good news is not an imperative. You shall not. It is an indicative. 
God loves us. And God loves us first before we ever love God. We are saved by grace. God's goodness directed freely towards us, not by works. When the prodigal son went off and squandered his inheritance and then returned to ask his father's forgiveness, his father greeted him with good news, not good advice. The good news of the gospel was new news because the old way was justification by keeping the law. The Jews saw it as a reward rather than an unearned gift. Memorizing a creed or certain sets of beliefs does not make a Christian. Jesus brought a new way of seeing and being into the world that offered transformative power. As Paul was constantly trying to sort it out and explain it to the early followers of Christ, he shared in verse 2 our responsibility as part of the stewardship, the commission of grace. For we are stewards of God's acceptance. Paul begins his letter to the Ephesians when he says in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, For he has made known to us in all wisdom and insight the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. He expands upon this three chapters later in our text when he writes in verses 6 and 10, referring to the mystery of Christ that the Gentiles... And Now, keep in mind, the Gentiles represented everyone who was not part of the Jewish heritage, in other words, pretty much the rest of the world. That the Gentiles, he said, are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ, Jesus, through the gospel. And that through the church, the manifold or boundless wisdom of God might be made known. That's pretty heavy stuff. To think that it is through us, through the church, that the boundless or many-sided wisdom of God might now be made known. Last week, I cited one of my most helpful seminary professors, Brown Barr. And again, would like to draw on his insight when he said, to acknowledge the universality of Christ is not to alter the singularity of Christ. There are not many partial Christs to be gathered together and synthesized, but one Christ to be discovered through the many partial instruments of revelation in many times and places. The mystery of Christ the divine plan for history happens when God's word is proclaimed and lived out. This, says Paul, in verses 11 and 12, is according to his eternal purpose, which he achieved through Christ Jesus our Lord, in union with Christ and through our openness and faith in him, we have the boldness to go into God's presence with all confidence. What an amazing bonus that we can approach and actually enter God's presence in total openness 
and trust. Wisdom can soak into us slowly, refreshing us and helping us to grow. As we approach the wisdom well, may we experience the wisdom of God in the mystery of Christ as it soaks into us and helps us grow. Amen.